Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. In recent months, the issue of young dairy calf management has been an emotive and contentious issue. On this week's episode, Head of Livestock Systems at Chagas, Podrick French, provides facts and figures to set the matter straight. I suppose firstly I think that is the problem. There's been an awful lot of emotive discussion with very little facts or statistics used in the discussion. The data would tell us that dairy farmers are doing an excellent job on rearing calves at the moment and have done for every year up till now. The data also tells us that dairy farmers will look after calves even when they're very low values. So a lot of the emotive discussion is coming from farmers talking about what's happening on other farms without any data or any evidence to back that up. And, you know, you talk about welfare is strong on farms. And, you know, how can we measure that? Are there metrics of of calf welfare on dairy farms? So the best metric that we can use is calf mortality. Calves are very vulnerable animals because they're so young. If their welfare is poor, their mortality will increase. We have seen over the last 10 years, we have extraordinarily low levels of calf mortality by international standards. We have also seen that as the dairy herd has expanded, calf mortality has declined. We have also seen from national data that larger herds do not have higher calf mortality. There is no evidence of that. And we've also seen that there's no increase in calf mortality of bulls relative to heifers, which is also another, I suppose, anecdote that's being thrown around out there. I suppose just to, to pick up on a few of those things, you know, just can you give us a figure in terms of mortality in calves on farms last year? So we break mortality down into calves that die at birth or during the birth process and calves that die in the first 28 days of life. So for calves that die at birth, it's approximately 1% in 2019, 1.5% in 2019. For calves that die in the first three weeks or four weeks of life, it's approximately 3% in 2019. So that's a total of about 4.5%. If you compare that to any other dairy, significant dairy industry around the world, it's about half of what you'd normally expect of calf mortality. So it is saying our farmers, and it's not unsurprising, we're predominantly owner-operator farmers. They have a very strong affiliation with their livestock and they have been reared on those dairy farms they know how to look after young stock it's probably the first job anyone learns to do on a dairy farm as you grow up on a dairy farm is to look after calves and just to re-emphasize your point you know um 1.3 percent you know at at birth and 3.2 percent in the first four weeks so that actually is the same even though the majority of farms are actually calving more animals and they have more calves on the ground each year. That's right. The figures actually have declined slightly as farm size has increased over the last 10 years. We've seen a small decline in total calf mortality. And and then to follow on, another metric that people would talk about is colostrum. Is there any measure of colostrum use on farms? Yeah, so we surveyed farms back in 2017 and we found that in general farmers are... Re- that dairy calves on Irish dairy farms are getting adequate colostrum. We've seen a relatively good immunopassive transfer, which is a measure of where we can go in and measure a week after a calf is born. We can measure, we can measure how much immunopassive transfer has occurred, which is generally determined by how much colostrum the calf has got. And we are seeing that both bulls and heifers have good levels of immunopassive transfer. 
And across these two metrics, mortality and colostrum, at the beginning of the conversation, you know, you mentioned male versus female. So there is there any difference in either mortality or the level of colostrum achieved in our males versus our females? Okay, so you will naturally tend to have higher mortality in male calves, predominantly because they're bigger being born, they have a slightly longer gestation. But there is no inclination that it is increasing relative to that of the females. Okay, when we looked at colostrum, we saw very similar levels, very high levels of immunopassive transfer in both males and females. And, and, and then looking to, I suppose, where our calves are going, and this is part of the discussion. So looking to 2019, what did we see, you know, our calves, some are retained on farm as replacements, some are reared to beef, you know, what, what, can you give us a breakdown? So we saw in 2019 that approximately a quarter of our dairy calves are, are replacement heifers that are reared by dairy farmers. Approximately a quarter of calves are reared by dairy farmers for beef production. Now, some of them may be for different stages of beef production and could move on as stores. We're seeing approximately a third of calves that are transferring from dairy farms to beef farms in Ireland. The remainder of the calves, which is about 15%, are live exported predominantly. Where it represents about 13% that are live exported predominantly to Holland and to Spain at a relatively young age. And about 2% of our calves were processed for veal at less than three weeks of age. Now, those last two of live exports and veal processing have challenges. The live export of calves has some significant welfare challenges, and but internationally there are significant questions being asked about live exports of calves. The processing of calves for veal, while considered to be of a high welfare standard, there are some significant ethical questions around it. Can we continue to market our dairy industry as a sustainable, high welfare industry if we have to process calves or veal at such a young age? And that's a question we have to address long term. And, and just to, to dive into those last two options that you discuss, live exports, you know, you mentioned there's a welfare question, you know, globally about this. Do you see that declining in the future or will it hold steady? Well, I would expect that in the spring of 2020, we will probably see an increase in live export because there's a lot of demand internationally for our calves. We are seeing that within the, the dairy veal system that's operated in the Netherlands, they see our calves as being of very high health status, which is again back to our farmers doing a good job in looking after their young calves. We're also seeing good demand for our calves in the Spanish market because of the, their beef exports. So I would expect that in 2020 we will see an increase. But we're always really at the whim of a political judgment that says that live exports isn't worth the risk or the hassle. And that will depend on all the chain, all the links in the chain of live exports. And our weakest link will ultimately let us down. But we've seen around the world, New Zealand has taken are taking a decision to ban live exports. The UK are talking about putting a ban on live exports. So there will be pressure coming on us long term to consider a ban on live exports of animals. And, and then moving on to veal, you know, do we see this veal production or veal processing of young calves in any other country? So it's seen in most other dairy industries. Now, in a lot of countries, the calves are just slaughtered and don't end up inside in the food chain. Okay, so that happens in a lot of other dairy industries. But we don't want to set our standard by the lowest common denominator. I suppose we are marketing ourselves as being a sustainable, grass-fed, high-welfare status dairy industry. 
And if we're looking at the bioeconomy or the circular economy where we're making use of all of the inputs and outputs, it makes logical sense that we produce good quality beef calves from our dairy herd that feed into a dairy beef industry. And just then back to the the other points and the other outlets for these calves, you mentioned a quarter of these calves are reared as replacements on dairy farms. Is that going to increase or do you see that fairly stable in terms of the quantity of calves reared to join the dairy industry? I think it's it's relatively stable now. It has decreased over the last number of years as a percentage because as the herd has matured more, we've got better fertility and the rate of growth in the dairy herd has slowed down. So ultimately, it's going to be driven by the demand for replacement heifers, both to maintain the existing herd, and the existing herd is becoming more fertile and therefore lasting longer. And on the other side is the demand for heifers for the continual growth of the herd. And that varies depending on, I suppose, sentiment, milk price, lots of other factors. But I would say it'll probably stay relatively static over the next number of years. And and then finally, um, you know, a third of, of our calves are going to beef farmers. How is that market looking for 2020? So at the moment, beef farmers in Ireland are at a relatively low ebb. Okay? They have suffered very low beef prices over the last um, 6 to 12 months. So that has undermined confidence. They also have a relatively varied perception of the the calves coming from the dairy herd. So some farmers don't trust that they're um, getting the genetics that they believe they're getting. And I think ultimately dairy farmers need beef farmers. They need beef farmers to be viable. They need them to be sustainable. So dairy farmers are going to have to work with beef farmers to deliver a product to beef farmers that's going to allow them to have sustainable businesses because ultimately it'll determine the sustainability of the dairy industry. And I think that, look, I mean, we see that there are fairly good structures put in place in terms of how the dairy farmer can look after themselves in terms of producing a good calf for the future of their herd, but also by putting a focus after maybe four or five weeks of the breeding season in order to produce a valuable beef calf. That's right. So this year we introduced the Dairy Beef Index. I think it's going to be available next year on a more widespread basis, even including on stock bulls. And that is a very suitable tool for picking beef bulls for use on the dairy herd because they're easy calving, short gestation and have good terminal traits. I suppose we're also recommending to farmers to push ahead with the adoption of sex semen. We know it can increase the proportion of beef calves coming from the dairy herd. The technology is moving on. It's going to be more available in the spring of 2020. And we are recommending the farmers to consider using it now. And going forward and looking to 2020, you know, um, speaking with Martina Gormley um, in the last few weeks on the on the podcast, she mentioned that, you know, there's going to be 1.5 million dairy cows calving in 2020. And, you know, there'll be a high concentration of them in the first three months of the year. Um, you know, within a dairy farm, there's pressure on the system and we look at you know trying to get rid of calves off the farm so get them to the beef farmer or get them to the outlet that um, we're engaging with as soon as possible okay there isn't always a market there so what are the options for farmers okay so I think the terminology of getting rid of calves is a, is a poor one for us to be using as an industry we have to look at it like we are these are I said young they're vulnerable animals we have an onus and a responsibility as dairy farmers to look after them, uh, first and foremost. I think 
the options for the spring of 2020, I think, could change a lot between now and next spring. Okay, I think there is going to be demand, significant demand there for live exports of calves. I think the beef farmers will come back into play when they feel that there is a potential viable uh, business opportunity from rearing these calves. I think first and foremost, we must remember, on the average dairy farmer, for the average dairy farm, there'll be an extra three calves there next spring. Okay, over and above what was there this year. And they did a very successful job in rearing the calves this year. I think farmers need to have the capacity to carry calves longer during that peak glut of calves. There's a, there's a period from mid-February to mid-March when the price of calves, uh, the amount of calves coming on the market is in excess of what demand is. That can be hampered by weather with relating to live exports. But I think farmers have to be prepared to carry the calves a little bit longer. So instead of selling them at the normal three weeks, they may have to hold some calves up to four weeks of age. Now, at that stage, calves are relatively more robust. They're easier to manage. There's less work involved, but you need the space. If you don't have enough space or facilities for them, it'll make a lot more work for the farmer. Okay, it'll put pressure on housing, it'll put pressure on disease, it'll put pressure on all of these sort of issues. So we would say to farmers, now is the time to assess how much space they have for these extra calves and make sure that they have enough. Um, it's okay. The, the calving season might progress a lot better than what we expect, but it's always better to be prepared and have enough space there for to carry extra calves if they need to during the spring of 2020. Talk through the cost of keeping those, those calves for, for that extra period of time. Yes, so in terms of cost, like the farmer has two options really. He can keep the calves himself and put in the extra labour on his own farm, whether it's his own or somebody else's labour if it's available, or he can pay somebody else to rear those calves. Generally, if you're contracting out the rearing of those calves, you're probably looking at in excess of two euros per day. So you're paying someone uh, to rear them to cover for their uh, feed costs, for the labour costs, for the housing costs, and, and all the time that goes into it, you're looking at probably 2.20, 2.30 a day to rear those calves. On the other hand, if the farmer decides to take on the task himself or herself, they have, you know, the cash costs involved in feeding those calves are probably of the order of 1.20, 1.30 a day, plus their time on top of that. So your your top tips, maybe two or three tips for farmers heading into the calving of 2020, Podrick? I, I think the first thing is to prepare the facilities, to be prepared and to either have the facilities on your own farm or then to outsource it to somebody else that it, you may have to keep some of the calves for longer. The second thing I would say is identify where the extra labour is going to come from if you need to keep those calves for longer. Where can the extra labour be brought into when you need it? And that could be, again, going back to outsourcing this work to some other farmer or by contracting them to rear your calves or else bringing in extra help, whichever is achievable. But I would say at this stage, it's not a time to panic at all yet. I think, you know, there's there will be markets there for calves. There will be demand there for calves next spring. Um, things are, you know, I think we've talked ourselves into a bit of a crisis at this stage which uh, has been quite unhelpful. And I think, look, you've brought it back to facts today, Podrick, and you've highlighted that, you know, as farmers, we're doing a good job. There is low mortality on farms and, you know, how you can measure it 
you know, it, the, the indications are good and we're actually improving on farms and comparing ourselves with international standards, we're actually doing a very good job. That's right. All of the statistics and the data would say that our farmers are good at calf rearing. But if we were willing to stand back from it and think about it, that's very logical. Our farmers, as I said, are owner operators who grew up on dairy farms, who the first job they did in their lives was to rear calves. So they know how to rear calves and they are good at it. That's great. Thank you, Podrick. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Podrick French for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.